Morning, church. Is my mic on? Yeah. Happy New Year. Some of y'all are too happy about it. <laughs> happy New Year. How about over on the other side, guys? Happy New Year. All right. Actually, um, I said other side and turned here. Y'all did great. I was actually talking about the fellowship center. Out. Uh, you know, we got a lot going on here. You got live stream. You got fellowship center. Fellowship center. Can you hear us over there? Give us a hand wave if you can hear us. I don't know if they can hear us or not. Nobody's waving. <laughs> yeah, we can see. Oh, them. we got a few there. Okay, good. It was uh, welcome, by the way, and happy new year. Uh, what a what a wonderful blessing to have the, our live stream guys that are here with us. Uh, as well as our Fellowship Center Assembly and our, and our Auditorium Assembly as well. Uh, this morning, uh, I was on the other side, and, um, man, Derek gave me a, a wonderful uh, sermon idea, Mike, uh, when he opened the service over there. Uh, I, the sermon is going to be called The God of Broken Resolutions, because he was talking about he had already broken three, you know. Oh. <laughs> it's only the 3rd of January. But, you know, when you think about it, that is the God we serve, amen? I mean, the one who's there for when we mess up, because we're just sinners saved by grace. Well, that's so kind of like, uh, you know, everybody usually starts with a a, uh, a Bible reading. You know, I'm going to read the Bible through this year, and they start in Genesis 1. and uh, Bob so, down, Leviticus. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going ahead and start in, you know, uh, Exodus, because I've read Genesis 1 a lot. You know, when you start that Bible read, right? A lot of you have done that kind of thing. But tell you what, we're excited about getting into the Bible. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm still excited about the book of John. We're done with it, Al. But, man, it's really, when really we're not done with it. No, we're because, never done with it. Because uh, in Acts, it's going to be uh, the, uh, everything Jesus taught in action. Uh, but uh, what a great study and a great challenge for everyone. A good time to get back to the Bible. So we have our scripture reader today, Ella Goodwin, if you'd make your way up. Ella's 18 years old. She's a high school senior. She works at the Wells Wellness Center, and she loves theater, it says here, uh, at the Wellness Center. So, Ellie, you've been seeing a lot of me and Mike lately, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> there you go. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you, Al. Thank you, Al. good. Appreciate that. Okay. Yeah, if you'll put that down. Al, it is good to be back. Uh, yeah, you've been a little bit tired. Uh, I've been a little life. sick, but rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. That's right. Uh, and... Uh, uh, no, I was not on my deathbed, uh, but I do appreciate prayers. You know, you don't have to be near death to get prayed for, by the way. Uh, but, uh, and no, I did not. Uh, you didn't have COVID. And no, I didn't <coughs> cough on you out, but I didn't have COVID. So, uh, uh, but there are other things out there actually to get. Yeah. You know, there's really other sicknesses besides that. gets a lot of attention nowadays. Uh, and, uh, 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 in our world which we live, I mean, it is a changing world. It's a moving target, isn't it? And yet, God's Word that lasts forever really has some great things to say for us. It does. And today, uh, we begin a series <clears throat> called The Unstoppable Adventure. Uh, we're so excited about it because basically we're gonna, we made the case for Jesus in the book of John, but we're going to carry that forward. And, you know, I was so, Mike as well, so hard on the apostles, so we're fixing to see these guys shine. 
uh, in the next few weeks, and they're going to show us what eyewitness testimony looks like. And so the tagline for today was an idea I had called Jesus Goes Viral. Because, I mean, let's face it, we're in a virus, right? A pandemic, we understand that. So we understand the nature of a virus and what it can do in terms of spreading. But that's what the gospel does as well. And so that's what's going to happen. Now that the case has been made to the apostles, Jesus is going to go viral. Now, in our, our culture, we know what that means, right? Those of us, especially you younger ones, know what that means. That means that somebody watches a video hundreds of thousands or millions of times. And when that happens, they say that something has gone viral, right? Now, sometimes they're funny videos. I saw one over the holidays, Mike, where a guy up in Kentucky was kind of like giving an homage to a cousin Eddie from Christmas Vacation. He had his house robe on, and he was smoking a cigar, and he had a flamethrower, and he was de-icing his driveway. Yeah, yeah. So that one went viral, right? Because it was funny. Uh, and then there's a guy, you remember, that uh, he was drinking, uh, what was he? He was drinking ocean spray, and he was following along on a car, holding on. He was on a lawn board because his car had broken down. And so he filmed himself doing this, and for some reason he was singing Stevie Nicks. I don't know exactly <laughs> how that got into the mix. But look, viral. And this guy, people sent him thousands of dollars. He made money. He made money. To fix his car, supposedly, but he got way more than that. And then, guess what? Ocean Spray sent him a brand new truck. So you never know. Going viral, you need to come up with something. Hey, if you go viral, 10% here is all I'm saying, brother. That's all I know. Uh, But but whatever whatever brings about some blessings, I'm I'm for that. The one thing you notice, though, about all this going viral in our culture, there's, there's two words I would use to describe it. Shallow and temporary. I mean, this guy, he made some money. He got a truck. Good for him. But, you know, we're probably going to forget this guy in about 15 minutes, right? I mean, that's what happens with these going viral things. They're super shallow and they're super temporary. And yet so many people are caught up in social media stuff, especially young people. But when Jesus goes viral, it's very deep and it's very eternal. There's no temporary nature to it. And so the gospel is going to change not only the first century culture, but all the way forward to today, and I love the video that we just showed, it doesn't matter how bad things are, Jesus always elevates us out of whatever we're dealing with. And that's really what he did with the disciples when he gave them the Great Commission from our Bible reading this morning out of Matthew chapter 28. And what's really interesting here is that when he gets these guys together right before, before he ascends into heaven, he gathers them up and he gives them this Great Commission about going into all the world. But... We've heard that a thousand times. But what's interesting to me is that he's fixing to give the greatest message and the greatest send-off to men who were, fill in the blank, if you read the text, doubting. That's right. Now, I often thought, now, wait a minute, you're going to give the responsibility of the greatest message of the world to, to people who, are, who doubt? And then it made sense because, look, he's given us the greatest message of the world, right, as the church? And this adventure that we're on about uh, taking the gospel to the whole world, uh, he's he's chosen to put it in us. And we're full of we're full of mistakes and mess ups and doubts in our own life. And I love it that it says in Matthew twenty eight seventeen, they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You know, many I don't know how many times you've been in a place where it's difficulty and maybe it's a sin situation, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's one of your family members that's struggling, and you just have a lot of doubt. 
And so the tendency is from a human perspective is, well, you know, I just have nothing to offer God. I'm just, you know, I can't worship because I'm doubting. But do you see just the opposite that the disciples showed us? Even in doubt, they gave him praise and worshiped him. In fact, many times that same praise and worship is what brings you out of that doubt. Because you have community, you have other people pulling together and you say, I can do this. This gives me a tremendous amount of hope. I can't tell you how many times through the years, I've been here a long time, that I sat down with a 21-year-old, a 19-year-old that was raised right here in this church, active in the youth group, wonderful experiences at Camp Chioka, but now they were at this place where it's for them to figure out. It's not it's no more mom and dad or grandma and grandpa. I've got to develop faith. And they doubted. And it scared them. And it should. I mean, nobody likes to doubt. That's one of the evil one's greatest things, tools he uses against us, right? But I would sit and talk with him about what it was going to take for them now to have realizations in faith and why it had to matter to them. You know what we, what we talked about? The same story. It's been convincing people for thousands of years. It's a convincing story. That's why we're eyewitnesses to it and see the life change. And so many of those young people that doubted at that period of their lives are now some of the most dynamic brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because that's what Jesus does. So I find myself, Al, you can probably do this too. I find myself being like the disciple that said, Lord, I believe. Help me in my, anybody remember? Unbelief. Unbelief. That's right. (laughs) And so we're kind of all like that at different times in our life. Along this journey and this adventure, though, that these men are fixing to take on, is the same adventure that we're going to uh, have taken on in life with the gospel as the center of everything we do. Right. He tells them that he wants them to go take, preach that message and to baptize people into basically the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right. and continue to teach, teach other people, making disciples there, making followers of folks who are going to basically look like Jesus. Now, this has been the mission of this church, uh, uh, as well as the mission of Christianity, ever, ever since Jesus gave this message, right? But it's been the mission of this church, and I think it's important that we remind ourselves of what we have to focus on. Keep the main thing the main thing. That the gospel is what uh, Christianity is all about. And it is an adventure. As we uh, uh, walk down the road in the book of Acts, we'll see it was an adventure for the church, and it's an adventure for us. So, But, but when I first came to this church uh, as a student back in the 70s, I'll never forget talking to the leaders then. And I remember them saying this over and over. We want to take the gospel to all the world in our generation. So there was an urgency to it. There was a vision to it. And then there was dreaming, okay, how can we make this, this thing happen? What, what adventurous way can we, and all of a sudden, we, you know, it's world radio, it's relief, it's amen, it's all these other ideas basically come out of a desire to say, we want people to get the good news no matter what. And I, no matter what our circumstance, which by the way, our circumstance is totally different now, but our focus as a church does not change. Sorry. We're not going to be scared. Out of doing what's right. We are going to choose faith over fear. We're going to choose peace over panic. We choose health over harm. But, but look, Satan would love to take our circumstances and make that a roadblock. I, I, I want you engaging the people in your world in this adventure. 
invite them to church. We hadn't quit being the church because our circumstances have changed in our world. And neither did they, by the way, in the book of Acts. You'll see some of the situations as we study that they were facing, yet they kept preaching the good news of Jesus. Sorry, I kind of got fired I like there, that. That's pretty good preaching. Uh, <laughs> Paul was doing a little preaching there in communion, too. Excellent. Uh, turn to Acts chapter 1 on your tablets or phones or however you're reading along. <clears throat> and we want to talk about these great witnesses because the Great Commission led to the first group. And these guys were eyewitnesses, and they had to be because they had to see Jesus. They had to know what happened to tell other people. What's been interesting is that same Great Commission and that witness still continues today. I talked about this last week. We are witnesses of what Jesus does in our lives and other people's lives. So we got an eyewitness testimony. So Luke is going to describe why he wrote the book of Luke and also the book of Acts in the first few verses. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And so one of the things I love about as as Luke starts out with the book of Acts is he describes that this book is written, along with Luke and along with every book, really. The idea is to convince, to convict people, to offer life change. That's what this book is about. It's not just about the first century church. I mean, we can pull many things out of that, but it's about convincing people. And we're still doing that to this very day. He starts with this one guy, but then everybody who's ever read these great stories of transformation, they are then eyewitnesses of what Jesus can do. You know, you, you don't, we don't study the book of Acts to find out what the church did to, to find a formula or a pattern that we can reproduce. That's, right. That's not the reason you study the book of Acts. The book of Acts is looked at, look here, remember this. Good soldiers study history to be better soldiers. And so as adventurers, we study this adventure of the church to do better on our adventure as the church. That's why we study. It's not just to get the history of what happened within the church, but it's to make us better soldiers and better equip us for the adventure we have. In Acts chapter 1, 4, and 5, he says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them the command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So this this Holy Spirit thing that's going to happen now to these apostles is going to be different than anything else they've experienced. Remember this. Before Pentecost, they experienced the Spirit... Through the presence of Jesus. After Pentecost, they experienced Jesus through the presence of the Spirit. That's right. So you see from the book of John, John the Baptist, his ministry was a ministry of preparation. He was getting all those people ready in repentance for this Jesus era. Now Jesus has come. He's died for all mankind. He's left and gone back to heaven promising to come back, which we'll read about a little bit later. And so now we have the Jesus era, which is the era of transformation. It's not just preparation anymore. 
We're talking about transformed lives, which is what we start to see in this book. And the first thing he mentions is there's going to be this outpouring, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, where then the apostles are going to get these amazing gifts, miraculous gifts and gifts of signs. And they're going to be able to do a lot of the same stuff Jesus did. Why? To point people to Jesus. It's never about the miracle. It's always about the man, the son of man. And so that's exactly why the Holy Spirit was poured out. But remember, it's also an indwelling as well. It's not just about the miracles. It's him guiding, counseling, bearing fruit in your life. This is the era of the Spirit. When you get to verse 6, he continues on by saying they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Here's one of those moments we talked about the doubt, you know, they're still not quite connecting the dots. But Jesus says, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. I find that interesting because even 2,000 years ago, Jesus is telling them, don't worry about end times, eschatology. I mean, you've got now whole movements that that's all they want to talk about. Man, we need to be working in the moment. Instead of worrying about when it's going to end, we better worry about what's going on today, right? Because there's a lot of people that need to know the good news of Jesus. There's, there's a, an urgency. And so he kind of gives them a little light rebuke. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. See, he was saying, you need to worry about yourself. Quit worrying about restoration of Israel or end times. You need to worry about you. You will be my witnesses. Where? First here in Jerusalem, then in all of Judea, then Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. So you see the progressive idea of what Jesus has put forth. And that's why he goes viral. It starts here. And then it goes out. Now we're going to learn when we get into this book of Acts that community is so much fun that they forgot this command. They were all just staying all together. So guess what? A big persecution breaks out against the church and then people fled. You've got to remember this. Out of the most difficult times... In our nation's history and our world's history are some of the times when the gospel has done its best work. When we're in a tough time, we're in a tight spot, it's at those moments when we say, you know what, it's not about me and my 401k and everything i got going on. I need Jesus because i got no answers for everything else that's going on. This is one of those moments, and this is one of those moments for us as well as we begin 2021. And so as they go on this adventure to take off and share the gospel of the whole world, of course, it's, as Al said, it starts there in Jerusalem. But in 30-plus years, it's going to have gone. It's 30 years that changed the world. That's right. Because in that next 30 years, the gospel is going to have gone to the whole world, Paul says. And it's going to make itself all the way into to, to the Roman Empire, and it's going to just take off. And now, all of a sudden, Christianity, the, the, the greatest religion, the most truest religion in the world, because of its belief in the resurrection of Jesus and the sharing of that news of how man can have eternal life through him. And you and I get to be a part of it. That's right. You understand that? God chose you. To be a part of the same adventure and send you on the same mission that he chose the disciples and how he sent them out. So he chose you for that same very purpose. So not only do we have great witnesses, but he leaves them with a great promise as well. Look back at verse 9 of Acts 1. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. 
It's just such an amazing verse, imagining, right? And I want to read you how Luke describes it in his other book, in Luke 24, in this moment, verse 50. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. You know, he doesn't say this in Acts, but we realize when he's, when he's doing the Superman without, you know, jetpack, he's leaving, he's blessing them as he's doing it. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him, there's that worship, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. I, I like that idea. I don't know what he was saying as he lifted his hands and started blessing him, you know, the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine. I don't know if he used some of the blessings from the Old Testament or what he said. And then all of a sudden, as he's blessing them, he's taken up. How, how you say goodbye means something, doesn't it? You know, you know uh, one, of, uh, 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 one of the folks that we're very, very close to, uh, uh, my family is, is to Jeff and Stacy Moore. And I love how Stacy always says goodbye. Now, Stacey's the kind of person that can make you feel like you're the only person in her world. I mean, when she's talking to you, she just has that knack, you know. But when we're leaving, she, she comes outside, she stands in the driveway, she waves, she smiles, she'll blow a kiss. Or she's at the door, she waits, she does. You know, she's just there to you till you finally leave. It's just like she's giving you a blessing as you say goodbye. Now, uh, other people aren't quite that good at it, Al. I mean, uh, some people uh, close the door and they're back doing whatever they're doing b- like, before like, you get in the car. It's like my dad. He's been known on occasion to have a group of people in the living room. He just get up and go to bed. And they're like, <laughs> did Phil go to bed? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's his way, you know. <laughs> he's leaving that goodbye to somebody he, else. He leaves right? us to do the goodbying is what he says. <laughs> and we do. And you're right. It was. I, I love that picture. I love that they were left joyful. Because he's left there. And think about it. I've asked people this before. Why do you think Jesus left anyway? I mean, why didn't he just stay here? You know, and he could have he could have started his own church. And he could have beamed himself around the world. And we'd be listening to him preach today instead of me and Mike. There were some reasons why he had to leave. One, of course, was to rule his church as our high priest. Remember what the Hebrew writer said? Since we have a great high priest, Hebrews 4.14 who has descended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Faith will increase with him in heaven because we believe. Remember what he said? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe, right? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us therefore approach God's throne of grace with confidence. That we may receive mercy and find grace. We have a representative in heaven. One of us. The Son of Man is the Son of God. And there he is for us as our high priest. I don't know how that makes you feel, but that makes me feel confident. That even in my weaknesses and mistakes and my broken resolutions, I can boldly approach the throne of grace. And when you do approach that throne of grace, he's there to mediate for us as the Son of God and the Son of Man. In First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. He's still a man in a body mediating for us to help us on this adventure. Which and you remember what he told the disciples in John 14? He said, I'm going a way to prepare a place for you. You know the way. 
You know the way to the place I'm going. And at the time they didn't, but they got there. And therefore, every single one of them went to their death. And they died some tough deaths, looking to heaven and saying, I'm headed to you, Jesus. And they've been heading there ever since. He is there. You see, you can't have an adventure without this ascension of Jesus Christ. He left us here to lead other people. And then he said, you're coming to me unless I come back first. That's the power of the, res- of the ascension. In Acts chapter 1, he goes on to say, They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand there looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. He's coming back again. This is the promise. They not only uh, uh, had the great commission, they were to be great witnesses, and they had a great promise to accompany them. The promise of the Holy Spirit that would guide them and empower them, and the promise that He is coming back again. So, church, do you believe He's coming back? Do you believe it? I believe it. I mean, and I think it could happen at any moment, or it may happen three lifetimes from now for me, but I believe it's going to happen. And I love the implication that these guys who showed up, and there's always these, you know, angelic beings showing up at the, at the most amazing times. And I love what they said. Why are you looking up there? It ain't going to happen right now. <laughs> you got work to do. There's, a, there's an implied urgency in these guys. And, you know, that, that resonates to me to this very day. Every time I see a, a new person come to faith and come to Christ, and so many in our live stream audience and people that have been making decisions, I'm thinking, man, I'm glad God waited one more day for that guy. I'm glad God waited one more day for her because now they know. And so as much as I'm ready for him to come back, at the same time, I know I've got to be urgent in sharing Jesus and talking about what he's done in my life, being an eyewitness. That's what I do. I mean, my adventure started here 45 years ago. We came to this place that was centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they reached out to us and embraced us. My parents came to faith. I came to faith. And ever since then, there's been an urgency in me to do that. Then all the other things happened, TV show, all this stuff. We didn't know how God was going to build all this thing. So now when I go out, I'm an eyewitness. 45 years of transformed lives. 45 years of my own transformation, what God has done in me. That's what we're called to. I don't want to stand around just looking at the sky. I want to help people be ready for that moment when he comes back. You know, this, this new year, we, we want to be ready as a church, too. We want to get, we're going to have an invitation here in just a moment. And as we do... It's basically asking all of us to look at ourselves and not say what I want to accomplish for me in the new year. We've all kind of done that New Year's resolution, resolution type thing. It's about, okay, what can I do for God? How can I join this adventure of being his people? I want to wrap up with the last verse in the book of Acts. We're going to study through this book. But I want you to look at the word he uses Luke, uh, uses for the very last word of the book. Acts twenty eight thirty one. He, talking about Paul, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Look here. 
with all boldness and without hindrance. That without hindrance is one word in the Greek. It's unhindered. So this unstoppable adventure that we're on and that the church was on through the book of Acts, he says, tells Paul at the very end of this book, unhindered. That doesn't mean he didn't run into conflict. It didn't mean he didn't have to overcome some things along the way. But that means that the purpose for which he existed, that church and that gospel, was going to fulfill its purpose no matter what. It was unhindered. And we need to get rid of the things in our life that are hindering us. And we need to be a people that buy into the purpose of, and the action of God's people on this great adventure. We are unstoppable, not because of us, but because of the power of the gospel. And we need to be a church that is unhindered in preaching the good news of Jesus to every person within the sound of our voice and then out to this whole world. We can have an impact for the kingdom of God. God has brought us to this purpose in this life at this time. It's no accident that we live in the circumstance we live in. God has chosen you to have an impact on our community. No more hiding away because of pandemics or anything else. It's about being bold and unhindered to preach the good news of Jesus. Because people need Jesus more than they need the next breath of fresh air. And God will empower you through His Spirit to make that happen. So if there's anything hindering you today, whether it's some sin, some burden, something that is keeping you from being unstoppable, we want to give you the opportunity. If you're on live streaming, you're watching, you need to to go to Christ in prayer and pray today that He removes that burden. Or maybe it's your first foray into faith and you're saying, man, I'm ready to make Him my Lord. This is the place to do it. Or even out there. Any day is a day of opportunity to be unhindered. So if you have a need at all, why don't you come while we stand, while we sing.